I haven't given a lot of thought about rock climbing. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, neither have I. Or maybe you have. Wherever you stand on it, I think you're going to hear something that's very interesting and it will pique your interest about rock climbing. Because I had the opportunity today to speak with an awesome guest in Jocelyn Corridor. Jocelyn is just a ray of light, sunshine. She's so easy to talk to. And I found her on LinkedIn where I find all of my amazing guests, generally speaking. And there's just a goldmine of incredible people. If you're willing to get out there and connect with people and turn it into a conversation, you can't imagine how much, how much goodness is out there. It's just incredible. Uh, you can fill your cup with so many amazing people that are willing to talk and just share stories. And I'm happy to present to you today Jocelyn's story and the world of rock climbing. Very fascinating, very interesting, and I look forward to you guys checking it out. So, without further ado, Jocelyn Corridor. Hey. How are you? Good. I can't see you, but I see myself. <laughs> All right, hold on one second. I'm going to I'm going to hook this up. You're going to see it. All right. Now, here comes here comes the magic. Here comes the magic. Right here. <laughs> Boom. There's there's magic. Well, oh, like you that. got a microphone and everything. That's awesome. I'm, I'm very professional, okay? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today? Just finished lunch? Uh yeah. Yeah. Everything got a little backed up so it's like Give me two minutes to <laughs> scarf it down really quick. It's all good. Well, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Of course, yeah. Well, Have you done a lot of podcasts? Oh, man. I am on... I'm about to release number 50 tomorrow. Whoa. Oh, nice. yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty, um, I'm pretty prolific with podcasting. I record probably three a week, and then I release on Monday and Thursdays. So... Okay. Pretty constant. Um, yeah, I'm, I love doing it. It's just uh, it's just conversations with people. That's yeah, what's nice. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like the new the new thing, too. I mean, I think people read blogs before, and I think podcasts are kind of the new replacement. You know what? I used to be in the blogs, and I had my own blogs, actually, for mm -hmm. a while. And I liked it. Uh, but then once I got, I started listening to podcasts like crazy. Like, mm -hmm. Actually, I was listening to one right before this, and then I was on a phone call, then listening to one, then I was on another phone call, and then I was doing a bunch of training and work. So it's either I'm working, podcasting, training, or hanging out with the family, pretty much. You know? awesome. Yeah, so, totally. <laughs> well, I came across your profile, and I was like, I have to talk to this person. <laughs> I just awesome. have to talk to Jocelyn. Yeah. And, what uh, uh, what do you think was the main thing that kind of like stood out to you? You know, initially it was the rock climbing stuff. Okay. Honestly, yeah. I don't know anything about rock climbing. Cool. And yeah. I, I am not afraid to talk about anything that I don't know anything about. I yeah, just like yeah. to learn about what other people. And then the whole working with um, people have had mastectomies, whole thing. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, there's a lot going on here. And I'm looking through your you know, your past, your education. I'm like, all right, there's something here I need to discuss. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's like, everyone has a million stories. So 
for sure. Well, stories is the biggest part about my podcast is having people share about themselves and be vulnerable and, you know, as much as they would like to be. Uh, but I was really fascinated by the rock climbing because one, it's just not very native to me, but it mm -hmm. looks like you have gone all over the world rock climbing. How did you get into that? How did I get into it? That's a great question. Uh, so I started really probably climbing when I moved to Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was like probably most women, I was introduced to it by my boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like that's changing a lot uh, as the sport is escalating, especially because it's going to be in the Olympics in Tokyo 2020. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot more like women's groups. And um, I think that that's really awesome just because I think most women, when they're introing the sport, like any sport, they, they don't really know what's, you know, dangerous, what, where you can learn techniques or you're like pushing yourself in a different way, or maybe you don't feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, I feel like I really got into it when I moved to Boulder because it's like everyone climbs. Yeah. yeah I've <laughs> everyone's heard that. a runner. Everyone's like a pro athlete that lives here. So honestly, it was really intimidating when I moved here. Um, and I had just gotten um, labrum surgery and so I really actually couldn't climb that much, but I was still had a background of coaching and training people, not in climbing, but um, to hop into that, I was just, yeah, a little overwhelmed. Yeah. So what was it like the first time you, the first time you actually did it? How did that feel? First time climbing? Yeah. Ooh, I mean, maybe the first time I ever climbed like on plastic, Maybe like mm -hmm. a climbing gym would have been maybe when I was like at a birthday party when I was little. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I feel like everyone maybe intros that at yeah, some point. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't remember that, but I'm sure I did it. Um, but I tried it in college. So let's see. Honestly, I haven't been asked that question. So I think <laughs> I probably... <laughs> I probably just really liked that it um, felt like a puzzle. I think that's what I like about it most now. Um, but yeah, when I first tried it, I don't know. I was probably like at the time when I did intro it, I was going through this like kind of identity crisis because I ran in college and then um, wasn't on the team anymore, but still had an, mm -hmm. another year to finish in college. And um I was still, you know, a competing athlete in my mind. So it was probably, I think, the biggest thing about the sport is, like, you are in your own little world and you can be competitive with yourself. Um, I'm sure you can compete, you know, in competitions, but really, like, um, depending on, you know, sport climbing, which is with ropes or bouldering, which isn't with ropes, like it's always about getting just a little bit farther. And that's like a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe just that I could really individualize the climbing and pushing it on my own. That's what I probably so, like. So were you kind of like you're you're up there, you're doing it. Were you were you nervous? Were you scared? What was the emotions going through when you're yeah. when you're first doing and you're outside 
or bouldering, whatever, like what, what would take me there for that? Um, so inside versus outside is totally different. Uh, experience wise, like the first time I went outside, it was like, I would say that's probably the biggest thing when someone gets taken outside, like on their first climbing trip. Um, like, cause inside, I mean, you can always bail, you can always, you know, pop off or, um, there's not as much risk, you know, I feel like, uh, maybe what you're asking applies a little bit more to outside. Yes. Um, when I, the first time I went outside was really, I was taken on like a climbing trip and that's what, that's what took it for me for sure. Like I got taken on this climbing trip and we went to Bishop, California, Red Rocks, in Nevada and that just ruined me because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And um, you just get taken, I mean, climbing is really cool cause it takes you to some of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, and you get to climb on these rock features that are, um, you know, nature has built yet people, you know, create the problem on it. Um, but yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> I still to this day am so scared of getting to the top of stuff. And that's something that I think a lot of clients of mine sometimes are, um, they question because they're like, wait, you're afraid of heights, but you're coaching me. I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> it's no, it's okay for, you know, like if you're a running coach to be dealing with the same things, you know, I think that sometimes people think you're supposed to be this more invincible person but I think being more real attracts the right type of client that maybe is like oh they are they're human too <laughs> I totally agree with that actually like with my you know I've been in the fitness business forever and I think sometimes clients have this weird um feeling about you being in the fitness business like oh I bet you just eat the best all the time yeah and yeah. you uh you know, like when you work out, it must be incredible. Like you just never get tired. I'm like, I'm a human being. Like yes. I work hard. I get, I'm not, a, I'm not like this, like, you know, mount, mountain of a person. I'm like, I'm just like invincible or something. Like uh -huh. I eat some shit like you eat too. Sometimes, you know, I'm like, I, you know, yeah. I have some, you know, I'm hanging out. I, I get, I feel tired when I work out. <laughs> I'm like, yeah you know I'm they build it up to be right you, you, you know you feel like aches and pains you're not it's like this perception that people have of you and so i totally get that about like you're scared like they think like mm -hmm. you're just conquering these mountains and like yeah. you're just like flying up there and you're like look at me i i'm never scared about doing this you know totally yeah i think that uh you brought up an interesting point too i swear is having this conversation this morning with um my significant other, he just was like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I feel like you, like a lot of trainers or coaches don't necessarily talk about their injuries all the time, you know, like yeah. that's, that is being vulnerable and talking about, I mean, in a way, I think when I first started coaching and training, I, I didn't want people to know if I was injured, you know, because I was like, well, that means I'm like a bad coach if I can't even help myself. Yeah. Um, but I think like it's good to let people know that because then they, they're like, oh, I then can relate to that coach because they've been through it. And that's kind of leads into the mastectomy. Like I've now gotten some clients that they're like, oh, I want to train with you because I know you know what I feel like. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's 
uh, I feel like such a special thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just the human beings connecting to other human beings in relatable fashions, totally. I think is really important. So if you're taking somebody and you're climbing, I mean, you're scared, they're scared. That seems yeah. natural to me. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, yeah. I think guiding is totally different because, like, if I were guiding someone up a mountain or, like, you know, taking them up a multi-pitch or something, yeah, um, which is, like, climbing on rope really high, um, I think that would be a different story. You wouldn't want someone to be scared in that situation. Right. Um, but because I'm just, like, coaching someone, it'd be like if someone was Olympic lifting and they, you know they had a hard time beating their 1RM or something like that, like totally normal. <laughs> you know, maybe they plateaued yeah. and they yeah. got stuck. And I think that it's okay for coaches to talk about that because then, yeah, it's a little more real for their clients. Totally agree. Now as your rock climbing, I read that you have, you've gone in all these places, Mexico and all these different places, rock climbing. What, what was your favorite place? that you went mm. your best climb you're like man this was just like the peak of it that's a really hard question uh because every place has different type of rock too mm -hmm. so um for like climbers out there they would definitely realize that that's like a huge thing too yeah. um i would say it depends if it's on a rope or if it's um, bouldering. Um, I really liked going to probably, I mean, I've only been there once, but I feel like I would really like it going back again. Um, Waco, which is in Texas. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> they, they have all of these Wacos in the rocks, so these giant, like, giant divots and holes, and it's just like this super overhung rock. Um, and it's, I believe it's sandstone. So like you can climb on it multiple days and it doesn't like rip up your skin, which is like also a huge thing, um, with climbing, like you don't, um, you don't want any like cuts and stuff on your hands. Otherwise you can't really use them kind of like lifting, like you, mm -hmm. you end up getting like a lot of, you know, weird, sure. Uh, sure. yeah, blisters and stuff on your hands sometimes or weird calluses. Um, and it can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing if it's like too soft and something pops or something, you know? And so same thing with climbing, like you want really good, like callous skin. And uh, that's like, it's kind of like gym climbing there. So that's really awesome. Or I guess second would be Joe's Valley, which is in Utah. And um as much as I love, uh, you know, going out of the country, there are like a lot of logistics when you do travel outside of the country. Like you have to make sure you're packing the right nutrition. Like when we went to Mexico, um, like they don't have a bunch of protein bars there. You know, like you can't just have the same type of food that you fuel yourself with when you're traveling. So um, your energy levels can be pretty different. Um, and then, like, again, when we went to Mexico, there's all these different types of bugs. And, like, you don't have necessarily your own equipment that you normally climb with. So you mm -hmm. have to, like, rent or borrow equipment. And um, unless you pay, like, a lot of money um, to bring your own stuff, 
which is kind of like surfing too. Like you can rent a board or you can like pay lots of money to bring your own board, but your own board is always going to be like a lot nicer and you're going to, you know, know how to write it a little bit better. But um, yeah, I think I like climbing a little bit more locally um, within the U S there's just so much rock here. Um, but Mexico is pretty awesome too. There's like a lot of potential for so much development there. Um, it's just like a little bit, they're a little bit more logistics to like getting around. Uh, no, it makes a lot of sense actually. You know, it's when you don't know about something and you hear somebody discussing it, you're like, oh, uh-huh. that, that makes to- so much sense. It'd be like something yeah. else. If I was renting a, like I liked a mountain bike. And yeah, it's like, totally. Well, it's better if you have your own bike. Obviously, it'd feel totally. better than, you know, going to rent one. So it, uh-huh. it makes perfect sense. Now, what do you think about this this uh, free climbing? That I've, I've seen a little bit of this stuff. What's your impression of that? Oh, okay. So free climbing, um, it's, free climbing is different than free soloing. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people that don't know climbing, um, they don't know the difference of it. And so like the Dawn Wall, that movie that came out, um, that was um, like they were on ropes, but they were doing it free. So like they weren't pulling on gear or anything, but um, like free soloing is like with nothing. Nothing, like, yeah. Yeah, like like. I don't think people should do it. (laughs) (laughs) But people do it. Like, I I know quite a few people that do it. Um, I mean, I've done it, but like on something that's so easy below my level that I know I would never fall on, which is also the argument with like Alex Honnold. He's, you know, he's doing stuff that he knows he won't fall on, you know, and that's his argument. But um, I think that, you not not everyone can do it <laughs> right. and also it's like risking your life at the same time so yeah what's, I'm, not, what's, I'm not a huge fan <laughs> you're not a huge fan the wrap the wraparound point is you're not a huge fan of it so what's the fan. what's the climbing community like like what's the community is it a very like very community driven community or is it you know at odds sometimes like what's that like uh yeah i would say Climbing, especially here, is a huge community. Like, mm-hmm. everyone knows everyone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool, too, because it can um, almost create this church-like network. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not church, but, like, it is for people. You know, like it's something that they do all the time, every day, every weekend. This is the place that they go after after work to de-stress, to hang out with their friends. You know, um, it's this almost religious component that people Mm -hmm. add to their lives. And like, um, for sure, everyone that does it is obsessed. (laughs) So so you're obsessed? You're obsessed too? For sure. Yeah. I mean, anyone who, I mean, as long as, even if they're dabbling sometimes, like they're introing it, but most people that really like start doing it consistently, it's like, it becomes like part of their life too. So it's pretty cool to see. And everyone that does it creates their own community too. 
So, so we, we say like you have like climbing friends and then friends who don't climb type of thing. Oh, or, yes. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. It's I mean, like you're like, I'm all in climbing. All my this is all we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say like, um, what's a sport that's maybe similar? Maybe even football. Like football players hang out with football mm-hmm. people, you know? Like I would say it's almost similar to that. Um, like every sport, like when you get to an elite level, um, you don't see people really hanging out with any other types of people. <laughs> Let's expand on that. I'm going to expand on that. I am definitely the outlier in that then because I was a collegiate track and field athlete um, uh-huh. and I did not, I don't, whatever, they, it doesn't matter if they listen to it or not. It's just the truth and they know it. I didn't really like hanging out with other track athletes. I didn't live okay. with anybody. Yeah, that was an athlete. I actually did not want to have anything to do with what I was doing constantly. I wanted mm-hmm. to have other people that I knew that were having a normal college experience, like general, or I would wanted to explore other things and have yeah. this very different side of myself. So I didn't live with a lot of the people on my team lived together. You know, they then we practiced together and then they'd go hang out together. So I was like the guy nobody could ever find. Like you just find me at practice and at meets. Beyond that, I was a ghost. I wanted to live. I I didn't want to be immersed in it. I felt it would like be too much for me. Like that that was the only thing that I'd be doing was track and field associated things. Yeah. So it was funny. I would go to different things and it was very anonymous. And and they'd be like, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm an athlete at, you know, here. They're like, you're an athlete. Like, don't you go to like the athlete parties and stuff? I'm like, no, I want to hang out with you. What are you doing? I'm interested yeah. in what, so I, I, I'm not at odds with it. Like, I think it's great if people want to do stuff like mm-hmm. that. I just, I just always had this inclination, like, Hey, if we're all doing like, if we're all running every day, I really don't want to see you after that. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. There are some people, some climbers that like they climb because it's like their outlet, but they don't necessarily like live and breathe it all the time. Like maybe, you know, they are a teacher or a scientist or right. something else. And like, but they still have this true love for the outdoors. And that's what probably creates that community is, I mean, and what I like about it is like that it creates this awareness of how much like the outdoors matter to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are, I mean, I think that with it going to the Olympics, it's going to create a whole different type of breed because like there's so many gyms being built that some people won't even go outside, I'm sure, that there will be people that That's true. Climb, that people will, will just climb inside. If you're looking for a high quality Zero THC CBD products, palmorganics.com is your place. Go to the show notes and any episode of Dr. D's social network and put in the code Dr. D for 10% off all products. So I think like it's going to, we're going to see like a tremendous change within the next like five to 10 years. Now, Take me through this Olympics thing. I had heard about that too, but like, how was how was that 
a competition in the Olympics? Like, I don't know how it would, like, what's the logistics behind who wins and the whole yeah. deal, you know, like, I don't understand it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, I'm actually really curious how they're going to end up scoring everything, but there is going to be, um, what's called speed climbing. So the route is, um, always the same wherever people train and, they have to get up it as fast as they can. And it, they're actually connected on a rope. Um, it's crazy. If you haven't seen it, anyone out there should look up speed climbing. It looks like apes going up a wall. <laughs> like, it is crazy. Like people are so athletic that do it. And um, it almost doesn't seem like the same sport, but it yeah. is getting, it's getting put into the same thing. So um, the climbers that make it to the Olympics are going to have to speed climb um, sport climb, which is on ropes, which is like a super long route that they have to do, um, where they like are clipping and, um, it's so much endurance. It's crazy. It's kind of like a, maybe a duathlon or, you know, something that people right. are having to do like multiple sports. Um, and then they're also going to have to boulder, which is without the ropes and like way close to the ground, um, but much more powerful. So it's kind of crazy. All of the people that are going are going to be so athletic because they have to do power, endurance, strength, and speed. They're going to have to do all of it. So um, the scores will most likely be based off of like how they do in each category. So, and then like, yeah, it's, I think it's crazy that they're all being morphed together because like, that's just like a superhuman that has to go. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is like the first time it's going to be in the Olympics. So we'll see if it ends up staying. Mm. Now, do you find that a lot of climbers, um, I'm curious, are they gym people or they just kind of stay outdoors most of the time? Are they strength training, doing other forms of um, conditioning? What do you see out there? Um. Honestly, I would say we're in this weird time that it's changing a lot. And there are, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of things all over the internet, just like normal fitness world. And I think that it's just overwhelming with information for people. Um, a lot of people find that, I think people tend to get injured before they get better. <laughs> So there's like, there's a lot of, um, need for like PTs, um, strength coaches and climbing coaches are kind of, I would say they don't butt heads, but I think like, it's just not the same. Like I did an internship at, uh, CU and Boulder university and I absolutely loved it. Um, and honestly, I'm always like, ah, do I want to go back to that? Like be a strength and conditioning coach at a university. Um, but also like, it's so fun to deal with all these outdoor sports and you just don't get that, you know, and when you're in a collegiate setting, um, and, but it's also way behind all the climbing training is like years and years behind mm. any other sport. It's crazy. Um, there are a lot of people that try to do, you know, fingerboarding, which, you know, is 
helpful for making your fingers strong. And then um, I think a lot of people are starting to strength train, but there's um, so much unknown with climbing. Like, you know, there's years and years of um, studies and articles, you know, journal articles done on running and football and soccer, but like there's barely anything for climbing. And I think that that's going to be really interesting to see um, if people end up really diving into that because it's such a um, multi-plane sport. You know, like you're, you're using every single plane, you know, and I mean, maybe it's more similar to football, but it's, I think, even more complex than that. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I think that it's just going to be really interesting to see how coaches end up um, doing their education because there's uh, so many coaches like I don't know if you take yourself back to like high school when your running coach maybe was like yeah you still have lactic acid in you so you, need <laughs> you know what I mean like, yeah yeah they like, didn't know yeah. they didn't know and like I think that that's where climbing is right now and a lot of coaches don't they don't know what they're talking about and it it's okay. But I think like, it's important for a lot of coaches to realize like, Hey, maybe I should get like a basic personal training certification so that I do, you know, try and apply these different movements to this sport. I think a lot of coaches like climbing coaches, they, they just do what their coach said, you know? And, And then they also, I mean, there's a huge thing to be said with, um, coaches that have competed in the past. So like, obviously like they've been through it, just like if you've competed in track, then you obviously are like, well, I I could like teach someone how to run properly and stuff and how to lift. But really what helps you be a good coach is, I mean, all of those certs and background and experience with working with other clients. And, um, I think a lot of coaches don't necessarily have that. I think in, um, I was actually talking to this coach that he's in Europe and um, they treat it like other sports in Europe, climbing. But in the US, they don't treat it that way. Like it's it's just not quite there yet. But I, I think like it's going to be super interesting over the next five years, like who gets certs and uh, applies it, you know, like I think it'll be so cool. <laughs> I think about like, any, you know, I've known a few climbers on my life over the years and, you know, watching some people. And I think like, well, the, well, the form of the climber change, like the body type over, let's like, start introducing, think about like mm-hmm. basketball players in the eighties were all really thin looking guys. Totally. You know, they, they were totally, they were totally told the wrong thing about resistance training and would mess up their, their shot. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like every NBA player now was like a specimen and just like huge, just ripped, look yeah. amazing. The training changed, you know, so it's uh-huh. a huge thing. I wonder if like you get these skinny climbing guys, all of a totally. sudden they start getting yes. ripped and they start looking yeah. like super athletes out there on the rocks. I wonder if that's where the next thing's going. And then that will influence other people to get into the sport. Because what I've seen with climbers mm-hmm. is kind of looks like a very similar looking person to me. Yeah. You know, totally. and then also kind of yeah. like thrown in with like maybe the stereotype of like, oh, you know, these guys are like they're crunchy granola guys are climbing. They're, you know, live, they're camping all the time. And yeah. Stuff, you know? yeah. And I think that's where um, the gym climbing will be interesting to see how that morphs, because um, 
it is so acrobatic almost like ninja warrior like like a lot of the setting that which the setting is like you know setting all of the plastic holds Mm -hmm. to make this route for someone to climb i think like it is a different breed like i think um like whether it's in europe or other places in the world that don't have that much climbing or like even in i mean japan has a lot of climbing but like they have so many small gyms that everyone climbs at and they um they just learn technique from each other and i think that that's really cool because um that is part of the training like climbing is such a skill sport you know it's not i don't know i guess you know basketball is too and so is i mean so is any other sport Maybe not running. <laughs> running is not so much of the skill. Um, but like these ball sports require so much skill. So does climbing. It's really interesting because um actually have worked with quite a few kids too. And it is insane. They're going to be a whole different generation and breed of climbers because they, ha- they develop their tendons so young and they can like get onto super small holds and they're not going to be the ones that get finger injuries. Hmm. You know, a lot of adults that enter in their 20s, 30s, 40s, like they have to deal with so many injuries because they just don't have that development. Just like someone introing any other sport. Like once, if you've done it when you were a child, like you're going to be able to pick it up again when you're an adult later or it's just kind of that muscle memory. And I think like, that's going to be a whole different thing too. Like, I think that those kids, if they get out of it and then they come back into it, if they strength train, they're going to be like so amazing again. <laughs> and yeah. it will, it'll morph people's bodies too. Like I, I know that it morphed my body slightly, like not a huge change because I didn't like drastically change my diet, but like I ran 5k, 10k and I was just like this skinny runner and I had absolutely no upper body strength. And now I'm like, whoa, I have traps and delts, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty cool. Like, and then like my back is just way stronger too. And it's like, you look at climbers backs and they have absolutely no body fat on them. It's like almost like a bodybuilder um, because they're always using it. So it's really cool to see that portion too. Um, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think it will really really start changing and morphing people's bodies over the next like i said kind of five years i just see it like a lot of sports they have these transitions where it's also like who gets into the sport and Mm -hmm. you know i've seen where like certain sports it's like okay well this guy is six foot six well he should just be a basketball player well not necessarily yeah it depends if it's all what you see growing up like Okay, I wasn't exposed to rock climbing growing up and as an adult, really. So, so I'm fascinated. But what yeah. if I grew up in a community of people that that's what I did? I probably do it. Yeah. Or it's what's out there. So a lot of people, like kids, they see, oh, basketball, football, baseball, all that stuff. Oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. But it's until you introduce something. And then when you start adding the science into it, the nutrition into it, you yeah. start creating these different breeds of people going into it. You go, that doesn't look like a person who normally would do that sport. It's, yeah. You know? I, I think uh, climbing is so behind. Like 
it is starting to um, intro all of the educational pieces of like how you need to feel correctly and how much sleep matters and mm-hmm. um, that it is a power to weight ratio sport that you do need to train. Like um, I think a lot of people just climb and I think that it's totally fine to do that in the beginning, just like any other sport. Like mm-hmm. you do do that but it is important to do that almost prehab preventative exercise uh preventative injury um portion of it if you are enjoying it as more of an adult because like you're not as you know easily recovered <laughs> so, yeah and, i don't uh, I know <laughs> yeah so i think like yeah it'll be really cool to see um it's a really interesting time to be within the industry because there's just like I've only been in it maybe five years and it's changed so much so it's it's pretty cool to see and um I mean something else that's been recently coming up is um like there's all these clubs like there's this club um called brown girls climb and like it's just true there it's mainly a white sport of course so, it is <laughs> so it's it's like really cool because i think it can be a more easily accessible thing if people have shoes and if they're by like a climbing area mm-hmm. um but it is going to depend on like if it is available and accessible to people so i think clubs like that are going to be really good and also like when I first started climbing, like I didn't know any other really, when I very, very first started, I didn't really, before I had moved here, um, I didn't know any really women that had climbed. Um, Cause it was, it was like, it's so behind that it's such like, a, it was a male dominated sport and it is mainly white people. So it was like, even that I've seen such a huge change. So it's mm. really, really cool to see that too. Well, I think, you know, the it's kind of a discussion of the Internet and social media and and how things spread across the world more uh, like quicker. So now all of a sudden people are getting exposed to things that they maybe would not be able to. Like, exactly. I just remember that I'm 41. I remember not having all this stuff. Yeah. And being yeah. like, OK, I'm in this part of the world. I don't know what any people do over there. I just yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. And now you could just you can watch, you could see people doing different things. You can tune into different sports that you may have never have watched before and yeah. things. And I could look up somebody and see them on the internet and go, Oh, that fascinates me. I'd like to meet them. I'd like to learn yeah. about what they're up to. I mean, you couldn't yeah. do that before. You literally oh, couldn't right. do that before. Yeah, you couldn't. And you can reach out and just have this hey, conversation. You want to be on my yeah. podcast? I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I never know what people are going to say, but honestly, most people, I would say 95% of the people go, yeah, I'd like to do that. Like awesome. I, I've had like two people go, no, I'm kind of shy, but most people are like, sure. Why not? Like, yeah. yeah we'll I mean, it's, it's also different. Like it's so much less intimidating. I think like when you're just talking to someone like this, even though if, you know, yeah. hundreds of people may listen to it, but like, it's less intimidating. Like you're not in front of a room talking to people. It's like another way to reach a lot of people Mm -hmm. without 
necessarily needing the skills to be able to talk in front of a lot of people. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's been really cool. And like the podcast that I've been in the past, um, I remember my first one, I just like, I actually was really nervous, but in the end, you just kind of feel like you're talking to one other person. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really cool. But through doing that, I, I've gotten clients or I have had people that reach out and they're like, whether it's been like another climber that's dealt with the same type of injuries and they really want to learn, you know, how I went through or just get training from me, you know, or, um, another thing has been really cool is, um, recently because of me getting the mastectomy and I've had other women reach out and even, I've hopped on the phone with people just to talk them through it, whether they're thinking about doing it or um, they have gone through it. And then them wanting to know kind of the next steps or um, maybe even them getting training in the future. So it's been, I think, a really cool way to be able to reach out to a large range of people. So take me through that experience. I mean, it sounds like a very personal experience, the mastectomy like, what's the origin of that? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, um, if I go briefly over it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I found out I had the BRCA mutation. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that out because I had just gone to a normal gynecologist appointment. And um, they were doing like a normal breast test. And I ended up asking the gynecologist, like, should I be concerned about any of this because um my dad's mom died when she was 35 from breast cancer and then so did his sister um she died from cancer as well and so i was like i'm getting a little closer to their age should i do anything about this because i had never thought about it previously just because i was one my dad never talked about it two i mean i was just young so i had no reason to really think about it And then, um, yep, got the genetic mutation um, or found out I had that, um, which really all that means is, you know, I have a broken gene because, you know, everyone has cancer in them. It's just whether or not, like, your body can fight it off. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of what that uh, mutation means is I just have a broken gene. And then um, I went through the steps over the next few months of researching and trying to figure out what exactly that meant and what my risks were. And through those next few months, um, yeah, I found out just so much information that I was like overwhelmed with it, but I also realized what I needed to do. And that was a personal choice, but um, through going to so many appointments and like doctor's appointments, I just realized I, I didn't want to do that the rest of my life, <laughs> like right, just go right. all of these checkups all the time. And I knew like one, if I had gotten cancer then this would be my life. And I witnessed one of my really close friends. She had gotten cancer really young and she's still going through it. Like she's always trying to figure out like, is her body okay? Did she get it? Is she clean? Like all of these things. And it becomes a lifelong battle. 
Like, yeah, I mean, so she had gone through and she told me, Joss, I don't want you ever going through what I went through. And I think that you should get a preventative uh, double mastectomy done. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> I didn't really right. know what it meant. And then through going to more doctor's appointments, I was like, oh, okay. Um, well, damn. Because... I mean, I've had labrum surgery. I've had numerous injuries, taken time off. But at the time, like, I was actually climbing what I thought was pretty well. And um, my body felt fairly, like, healthy. So I had no, like, crazy big injuries. And I was just um, conflicted because I knew I would have to then put myself through this surgery that would then... I had no idea what it was going to mean. Like, would I come back stronger? Would I come back ever? Would I just be recreational then after? Like, I had no idea. I didn't know anyone that had gone through it. Um, throughout, like, this past year and a half, I've found a lot more people. But, like, even then, like, no one that is exactly similar. So that's been, like it's its own journey on its own. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'm super happy with doing it. Um, my sister ended up doing it too, and she's mm -hmm. younger. And um, yeah, she's recovered great. Um, she doesn't really climb. So like, it is a little bit different even then because like, just climbing is so much upper body, you know? And like, with doing reconstruction too, like, you end up going under your muscle. So they like cut your pec open, stick an implant under there and then sew right. back into your intercostals. And um, so funny, I mean, not really that funny, but I read in the New York Times like a few months ago, um, there's this new, and I'm sure just like everything else, um, this new surgery that they actually can not go under your muscle. And you have to be, um kind of that athlete category that you aren't going to go way bigger or anything but you're yeah. you're doing yeah. it to be preventative but you also or whether you've had cancer and you have to do it but you can it's a faster recovery so i was like oh <laughs> but like it is in the beginning stages so like at the same time like that's also it's own risk you know so like the surgery I've gotten a lot of women have had so you know it's less risk but um it is more common for women in their 40s and older to get it not so much like in their 20s so right, it's been right. yeah it's it's been really cool to see though because I think like there have been so many women that are doing it now so I think it'll become more common kind of like climbing like I think more people will reach out and learn from each other and um yeah like there's also no coaches or trainers <laughs> that work with mastectomy clients there are barely any PTs that truly know what it feels like so um that's its own niche on its own too oh it sounds like you're filling that niche <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's been interesting I mean I'm I'm not working with that many mastectomy clients right now, but I have started to, and I've had a couple of surgeons and PTs refer clients. Um, mm -hmm. It's scary. It's like, 
like a scary thing to work with this fragile, not fragile person <laughs> because I was in that spot too. I had, didn't have cancer, but like I'm training specifically this woman that has gone through cancer and she's actually going through radiation right now. Mm. And she is such a badass and um, in her fifties and just, you know, the other day just told me, she's like, I hate that everyone is treating me like I'm a fragile baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I totally remember that, you know, being an athlete myself, I was like, I hated that. You know, like I legitimately got in fights with my PTs because <laughs> they're like, chill out. And I was like, like, I'm fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think um, I would really like to start keep, you know, keep working with women that are a little bit more athletic and that potentially have to get this type of thing done. So. Oh, it's amazing. That's really amazing information. Um, it's just kind of the stuff that drew me to your LinkedIn. <laughs> it's like it popped up. It's like, oh, a person you should know, that whole stuff that's on there. I'm yeah, looking yeah. through it. I'm like, this person has a very interesting history yeah. and current level of what they're doing. It's just mm -hmm. an amazing story. And I think stories are what people gravitate to. You know, you talked about podcasters and new blogs and stuff. It's just people are they want to consume stories. They want to feel this connection to other human beings on some level. Yeah. We're grasping for it. We're scraping for it. Yeah. We're trying always. to find it in different communities, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it leads into a little bit with fitness is funny. I mean, being that in that business is it's a very interesting time to be in the fitness business. Yeah. Very different time. There's so much happening, but it's also a weird time too, because there's this, huge social media element to it yeah, there is. that is making it super strange and almost it's so the, hard too. almost the pornification of fitness in some way yeah. as well. I mean, what are your mm -hmm. thoughts about all that? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's honestly a little stressful <laughs> um, because you, I mean, if you own your own business, like, I was actually just on a hike with a friend right before this. You are an entrepreneur. You need to know how to market yourself. You need to know how to eloquently like market yourself at the same time too. You need to be professional to everyone you meet. You don't necessarily, if you're not at a normal commercial gym, like you got to figure out how to get clients. You also have to be real and have your story. Um, you also have to stay up on all of your continuing education. Um, I think that's also part of the issue. If we go back to the climbing portion, like there are a lot of coaches that kind of just like, you know, maybe they competed, maybe they've climbed for years, but those people that have climbed for years seem to be the top coaches right now. And I don't think that's necessarily the best thing, you know, because like the person who has run the longest doesn't mean they're the best running coach. No, not know? at all. And so I think that that's really interesting because that's where climbing is right now. Um, so I've struggled in the beginning when I had trained for a few years, I would say I would still like pretty novice in the training world, but 
I wasn't taken seriously at all, not only because I was a woman, but because I wasn't this amazing climber. <laughs> so um, people were like, well, she doesn't know what she's doing, which also as a trainer, you need to portray confidence. And I think that's like to any like new trainer out there, like it's so difficult to like fake it till you make it, <laughs> you know, like you have to be this overly confident person otherwise people question you and they question your education even though if you may know what you're doing so I think that that's another thing that's like I've learned and was super stressful in the beginning when I was starting out I was like I do I know what I'm doing I mean even now I feel like I really don't know what I'm doing but um I feel like I I actually feel okay with saying that you know and I think in the beginning, just like when you graduate college, you think like, you know, everything. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. you go through this like, oh, maybe I don't know that much. And then you go through, I really feel like I know nothing. <laughs> and I'm always, <laughs> always learning from other people. Um, and then there's this like weird stage that I feel like I'm entering that I'm like, I'm OK with people knowing that I don't know everything. <laughs> You're just morphing all over the place into different things. <laughs> no, I think, you know, it's interesting um, because, you know, there's actually some good research studies that talk about experience and training and that it's completely overrated. And that I think of it even like if you were a trainer in, let's say, the 1980s and you haven't kept up to it, up with it, doesn't mean you, you probably don't know a lot about fitness, actually. Yeah, or exercise, because you're going off of something from like Gold's Gym, Venice Beach in 1980s and yeah. bodybuilding. You know, it's like it doesn't mean just because you have been in something a long time doesn't mean you're very that you know a lot about it. It's just that you're in it a long time. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you never kept up with it and the science behind it and physiology and biomechanics and all that stuff. But I often found like I used to hire trainers for years and um, I always hired new people. I rarely hired people who are very seasoned because um, mm -hmm. I always felt the newer people like they were so green. They were they were they were open to changing regularly and growing. And mm -hmm. sometimes people have been in it for a really long time. They're like, listen, this is how I do things. I'm just yeah. going to keep it going. I'm like, you're like you're stagnant. You know, yeah, like it's, it's true. You need. And, and really, for me, a lot of training and working with people is about confidence and personality and human relationships. How well do you form bonds with other human beings? Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. often like, a lot of that's just like what you have inside you. Yeah, that totally. I mean, is not the education. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, like you can't necessarily, yes, it is the bonding, but I think like, yeah, there are people that are, I remember there was someone when I had done the internship and he was like the smartest trainer there, or, you know, strength coach there. And I right. was like, whoa, how is he on his fifth internship? <laughs> you know? But it's because he could not get down um, the communication piece with the athletes. Um, and that's yeah it's so important but it's also important to yeah i mean keep up on 
a lot yeah. of the recent things. I mean, it's and not everything, but it is a big part of it. I feel totally. like it, you know, like I like to be the relatable guy. I like to be the guy, you know, when I'm working with people that they, they'd want to like just hang out with and enjoy good conversation with, you want to have a beer with or something, yeah. you know, but also very knowledgeable at the same time. But, you know, I feel like people, they want to move, they want accountability, they want yeah. companionship, they mm -hmm. want trustworthiness, they want knowledge. But in my time, I mean, I rarely have people who are like, tell me everything about the origin insertion of what we just did and all that. They're just like, listen, I want to talk about my life, what's going on, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I want to be moving while I'm doing it. And yeah. it's it become a very simple science for me actually with it, you know, it's a little bit of education and, and, and maintaining that and getting, finding the new stuff, but being a tremendously valuable listener and human to other people creates yeah. a tremendous business for people. I think that that actually is where climbing is really different and interesting. It attracts this certain type of person, like, like what type of person, like the engineer type of okay. person. So, okay. or the very analytical type analytical, of analytical, yeah, yeah. And so, I think it is actually kind of a hard, um, a hard entrance to climbing as a coach because if you show any little bit of that you may not know something, or maybe like you do, but you say something wrong, or you like seem like you're not confident, it um. It's like they smell it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it's it's. I think that it can move into the um, needing more of the companionship and the accountability. Like I do have a few clients that are like that. Um, but yeah, the hmm. person. I mean just boulder it might just be boulder colorado <laughs> so like i have found that those like anyone who's here they're that google amazon type of person yes. it's yeah like they they want to know why they want to know they want to know the graph the metrics the the uh progression the overload like they want to know <laughs> where you're going to take them when they're going to climb a certain grade how strong they're going to be by this time because they want to go on this <laughs> vacation and you're like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would say I don't know either. I would like, listen, dude, this isn't your equation. Like, this is a human being. Like, but we're gonna. How, how people... often do you show up here? You know, I'm like. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people like. I'm like, whoa. You know, I I don't know. We can make it a goal, like, and that's what I end up saying. But I'm like, I yeah. can't guarantee it, and I have to be upfront about that because I'm like, I, you know, there are a lot of online programs that oh, people can buy that are like that it competes with people like me, you know, that, um, are trying to be, you know, this one-on-one -on -one coach, but like, but I can buy this six week or 12 week program and just follow that. And it's like, that doesn't always work. Cause it's not morphed to your personality, your schedule, yeah, your, exactly. you know, but, um, I tend to lose a lot of people to that type of stuff too, because they, um, and I've thought about, you know, just busting something out like that, but I'm like, I wouldn't feel right, you know? I feel the same way. I you know, Some people do that, and they're like, well, I just followed this program. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's so impersonal. And, like, and I know, like, my business, like my live online business, people go, why don't you just create a bunch of programs and give them out to people and scale it to, like, hundreds of people? I'm like, I don't know. That's not training to me. I'm like, that's, 
that's just online program design. I'm like, I actually want to have conversations. I want to talk. I want to see. Yeah. I want to understand. I want to feel their emotion. Mm-hmm. You know. And I said, that's that's just some program. That's not yeah. a living thing to me. So it doesn't matter you if you made a lot of money. Online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? Go find it with somebody else. It's fine. I'm just not going to do it. That's just how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? I feel like that I'm similar in that way too. Like. I really like connecting with everyone. And yeah, like I typically will hop on the phone with my clients like once a month and we'll like mm-hmm. talk for anywhere from half an hour to an hour. And, um, you know, I say that we'll have a half an hour, but I'm like, Hey, if you want to talk a little bit longer, like I usually yeah. will yeah. block off a little bit more time just in case they feel like they need it too. Yeah. Or yeah. if they're, you know, if I see them online, like an online client, starting to struggle and I see that they're not doing their stuff. I'm like, let's hop on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm not like just going to watch them fail. I'm like, no, <laughs> let's, let's like, let's hop on the phone. Like what's going on. And sometimes yeah. it's like, they're just not motivated. And it's like, well, what can I do to change that? Um, or what do you feel like you need to do to change that? So yeah, I would say it's not even necessarily the coach sometimes. Like it's the person that, is trying to do it <laughs> exactly well jocelyn i gotta tell you like you're very easy to talk to by the way oh, thank you, have you. A very yeah no you have this very warm personality you're like you're just like front and center but in a very easy way it's not like some like yeah i answer the question and it's like okay yeah thanks um how about, you know what i mean it's like <laughs> okay. it's like you explain it and you have this very uh very it seems joyful personality <laughs> Well, and yes, of course. And so I had a feeling about you, you know. <laughs> well, so. this was super fun to hop on your podcast. I'll have to listen to more of them too. Yeah, please do. I think you're going to find some amazing people. And if you ever want to meet any of the people, just let me know. And you're in Boulder. I mean, I don't know how far away that is from Denver. Probably not that close, probably, right? No, now. it's actually, it's only like, Depending on traffic, 35, 45 minutes. It's not bad. Okay, here's the deal. I know so many people in Denver. I mean, it's crazy. Really? Oh like, my God, I'm like yeah. super tight. And I, I'm not there. I'm in Washington State. I'm yeah. going to introduce you to a bunch of amazing people. Yeah, You're going to meet I, some um, incredible people. It's actually really interesting. Um, since I've moved here, I feel like I've like tried networking and hustling so much within this industry. I don't actually know really any trainers or coaches out in this whole area. We're going to yeah. change that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I'm psyched some, that we Some did guy this. in Washington is going to help you meet a yeah. bunch of people in, in your state. I, one of yeah, the people I introduced you to, she goes, I have these in-person meetings with people in, in uh, Denver, and they all like because they know you. They're like, oh, it's another Darian person in Denver. Yeah, like, he's not even here. And how he's does he connect here. with all my people here? <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I know someone, um, he coaches, I think he's the head strength coach, Anthony Watkins. Do you know him? No, I don't know. No. He's, um, I want to say, a Washington University. Okay. Um, but he, I know he's, yeah. I mean, he's like, uh, he played football at Oregon State. Um Really, really awesome strength coach, too. So wow. you'll have to be introduced to him, too, but he yeah. can't be far from you. Yeah, yeah, no, Washington, like um, UW is a couple hours away from me. 
okay. but if I'm down in Seattle, um, sure, that'd be awesome. That's what we. This is what this is all about: connecting yeah, with totally. people. That's yeah. that's my whole show, Doctor D's Social Network. Connecting <laughs> with my network, having a conversation, putting it out, and then the magic of people meeting each other. And yeah. now that you've been a guest on my show, you get the official invitation to my podcast retreat, which is in uh, Washington State in May 2020. Actually, May 15th to the 17th. So I will send that out to you. And it's just a time for everybody to come together who's been on the show and meet each other in person. Potentially create community with each other. So Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So, yeah, we'll be in touch, Jocelyn, for sure. Okay, well, let me know about any of those Denver people, too. (laughs) Oh, it will happen, I promise. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. See you.